We will march on a little bit further in the 57th chapter of Isaiah. And he is addressing his audience. He's going to address them about the righteous being removed. And no one pays attention to it. That it's moving forth as a time of judgment coming upon the people. That not at that particular time, but a foreseen, foreseen judgment in the future. But we look at it, and since it was written to us, we look at it as happening during our time and our day as the end times. What is, who is he talking to or what are you talking about? And I tell you, a lot of the physical of the applications in the Old Testament being a shadow happened physically. He was talking in the physical, but it was just in the in the figurative sense, not necessarily in the literal sense. But we see it manifest today, both in the physical and the literal sense. Verse 3 of the 57th chapter. But draw near hither, ye sons of sorcerers, the seed of adulterer and the whore. The Amplified Version says, but come here, ye sons of a sorceress, that is, those raised in deception and superstition, offspring of adulterer, of prostitute. And I was listening to someone talking the other day about the divorce rate in the United States is dropping. The divorce rate is dropping, but that not, that's not necessarily a good thing. If you look at what's the reason why it's dropping, that is because less, less people are getting married. More people are living together. Sometimes you struggle when you have friends or relatives to address someone, especially of old age, sometime within the church or whatever, to introduce people because I was doing it yesterday. Uh, but they're not married. Well, you want to say girlfriend or boyfriend or, you know, at a certain age. And so it's actually more and more of a living in fornication or adultery. And if you're not married, it's fornication or whatever. If you would look in your mega churches, the reason a lot of times they're not preaching on adultery or fornication, it's most of them there believe, you know, casual sex or having relationships and before you're married and living together and all of these other things, uh, whatever they call it, BFF or would BFS with benefits or however they want to call it or whatever, we're living in a sexually immoral world and times. It also speaks of it spiritually, spiritually. In a spiritual aspect, Christianity, they say, is uh, also decreasing in the nation. Yeah, more people, a lot of people professing Christianity. But denominational lines are blurring. Catholic Church is losing a significant number of people. But that's because knowledge and education has increased and more people have access to studying, you know, looking more closely at what's being said in the workings of the spirit. But a, a lot of more. What has happened? No, but in this day and time, we're, we're kind of intermingling. It's the time of. Babel, you remember I told you at the time of Babel, God had scattered it and the people 
was all of a different language. Well, now we're all of different religions and we're all saying different things. But we must come into the unity of the spirit and the unity of the faith without syncretism. In other words, without melding all of the religions and the thinking together and saying it don't make any difference that all religions, all roads lead to God. You have to be spiritually correct. And that's what happened to Israel when they went into the land that God had gave, given them some specific instructions but like i said this began with adam and eve and god promising that the seed of the woman would bruise the seed of the serpent's head but the seed of the serpent would bruise his heel so there was a battle that's going to be going on and he calls attention here he calls him he says the seed of the adulterer and those, the offspring of the adulterer of the whore and the seed of the sons of sorcery, a sorcery, those given to uh, occultism. In other words, you got new age religion, got all these different types of religion, witchcraft, the wicker religions and so forth. And people doing mushrooms, uh, whatever psychedelics or whichever drugs, you know, the opioid crisis or whatever that we're in the midst of. But all of this comes out and springs from sons of disobedience, a Satan's offspring versus the seed of the woman. And you remember, we're in a warfare. And don't get that conflated together that we all one, that we all humanity. There's a division there. And the evil influence of the wicked upon their prosperity. When he said the seed of, in other words, you're the children of the offspring of these type parents. What influence do the parents have on the children of the offspring? What influence there? It says, Job 27 and 14, this is the portion of the wicked man with God and the heritage of oppressors, which they shall receive of the almighty. If his children be multiplied, it is for the sword and its offspring shall not be satisfied with bread. The Amplified reads, This which I am about to explain is the portion of a wicked man from God, and the inheritance which tyrants and oppressors receive from the Almighty. Though his children are many, they are destined for the sword, mm. and his descendants will not have sufficient bread. We hear hear the word of God saying they're destined for death. Not necessarily a horrible death, but the sword signifying a judgment, a judgment upon them, a death. But that also proceeds right before it where he said the righteous are taken away. They sleep and no man take it to heart. So here we try to get some understanding that both die. The righteous and the wicked die. But like Balaam, it's in the life you live. And Balaam says, let me die the death of the righteous, which makes a difference in whether you were saved or not saved. So we see here where he says, and the descendants will not have sufficient bread. And we know that you could, you know, not taking it as a whole because. But what God's word promises through David, as David says, 
He've never seen the righteous seed begging for bread. And when God says a lack of sufficiency for bread, a lack of sufficiency for something, in that he's saying that the ends of this person is not a blessing or not inheritance from God, but it's a loss of vanity or vexation of spirit, everything that they had worked for, even though they may have greatness when they die or whatever, is going to be at a loss. They've, they've labored in vain for vexation of spirit. The book of Psalms, the 21st chapter, and the 10th verse says, continually talking about the adulterer, the sorcerer, the offspring of their prosperity. He says, Their fruit shall thou destroy from the earth, and their seed from among the children of men. So God's word is saying that God's going to work a destruction of the wicked. He's going to clear the earth. And at one time, we'll see that in that millennial reign, that he's going to remove the wicked from the earth. That's why he tells us, fret not thyself because of evildoers, for they shall soon be cut off. God's word is working, but what we're looking for in us as the remnant pray that God keeps us in that seed, that even though we may sleep or rest, that we're the ones that are not cut off, that we do have inheritance, that we're looking with, from, to the promises and to the hope that's in God. The Living Virgin says, When you appear, they will be destroyed in the fierce fire of your presence. The Lord will destroy them and their children. So I told you about it, Jezebel, that spirit of Jezebel would still be around. But God says he's going to kill her and her children in a bed of wickedness. So as parents, we try to keep our offspring and tell them to seek the Lord, try to point them toward God or whatever, and that they would look at their parents' life or the lives of the people that were around them, telling them that you should seek the Lord. No, no matter how much time passed by, we should seek the Lord. Yes. And our children, that's why we pray and continually pray for our children. We never leave lose hope that God would convert them or save them. Uh, it is a parent's legacy that they want to pass on to their children. That's the wisdom that's precious in Proverbs them passing on the wisdom and knowledge of God, of knowing God, and an example of a parent serving God, which they should do. The book of Psalms, the 37th chapter, the 28th verse says, For the Lord loveth judgment, and forsaketh not his saints. They are preserved forever, but the seed of the wicked shall be cut off. That goes to us, him elaborating on the word that we preach I taught yesterday that the righteous perish and no man take it to heart. But we see in perishing there means laid to rest, asleep or whatever, because here he says, and he forsake it, not his saint, and they are preserved forever. In other words, they may sleep, but the, their soul, their spirit wouldn't rot in hell. And we don't want to look at that, go into that doctrine, but people saying that you're never dying soul. Hmm. You didn't heard him saying about you never dying so, but that's contradictory of God's word because God's word says the soul that sinned shall die. In other words, go out of existence, shall perish. And that's why Jesus says that he wouldn't leave his soul or leave him to corruption or to perish. 
We're looking for the resurrection of God, not allowing us to perish or go out of existence. We're looking that those of us that believe on him have everlasting life. That's the only way we can have eternal life is in him. He's the only way to eternal life. Uh, The Amplified Version says, For the Lord delights in justice and does not abandon his saints, that is, the faithful ones. They are preserved forever, but the descendants of the wicked will in time be cut off. Now, if not in this life, in the next life, they shall not make it through the second death. In other words, they'll go into the lake of fire, the lake of destruction, where he casts hell and death into the lake of fire. He says, the living says, for the Lord loves justice and fairness. He will never abandon his people. They will be kept safe forever. But all who love wickedness shall perish. That goes to Romans about them saying those that are partake of wickedness or whatever, if you love, and that's what a, a few Democrats were talking the other day about some of the Republican people that were standing up for what's going on in this administration. And Chris Christie was in Florida, and the people had booed down Ron DeSantis, and they were booing Chris Christie, but they were all turning to Trump. But they were booing him, and he says, the reason you're booing me, Chris Christie was saying, is that you're not standing up for the truth. You don't love the truth. I mean, that's biblical. And that's why I see we see a lot of the nation, God's turning over to a reprobate mind in the end of a lot in this nation will be the parish because they love a lie, a love darkness rather than truth. They love wickedness. They, they're trying for the law to perish. In other words, uprightness, justice, in fairness to perish. And that's what we're seeing politically and religiously now. That people love darkness. They love wickedness. That which is wrong. And Chris Christian was quite right on that matter. That that's abundantly clear within that they, their party. Uh, Matthew 12 and 34. And Jesus and John the Baptist addressed this. Matthew 12, 34, in the conversation here, he says, O generation of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Uh, and the Amplified says, you brood of vipers, can, how can you speak good things when you are evil? For the mouth speaks out of that which fills the heart. Those were the Pharisees he was talking about, people that were outrightly religious. People that were saying things, but this this was a facade. This was like many of the Christians in this nation. It was hypocritical. With their mouth, they honor God, but their hearts are far from him. And John and Jesus goes on to say that the axe shall be laid at the root of the tree. Every tree that doesn't bring forth good fruit will be shown down at the root. In other words, there shall be no offspring. There shall be no posterity. No posterity. None of their, none of their people. Even though each man has to die for his own sin, and we see where there were generational curses in the Old Testament, saying that God punishes sin up into the fourth generation or whatever. But if you look at that, what that is, 
that each person was accountable for their own sin, but the father is uh, not instructed the children, or they're not trying to turn their children from their way, as David had shortcomings with adultery. He committed adultery with Bathsheba and some of the things he did, sexual sins. Where that was prominent in his life, Solomon, being a wise man, should have known this and saw that and should have known that was inherent in his DNA Mm -hmm. and that he should have been aware of promiscuity, but he did even worse than his father's did. So if your father was an alcoholic or your father was a workhead, that's why I say we must be aware of the good things in our parents, but we must be also aware of the bad things. We can't overlook these things with nepotism and not see people as they are. That's why Jesus said you must hate your mother, father, sister, or brother. That's why he says you seeds of adultery or harlot or whatever. A lot of the women or whatever. They messed around on their husbands and things. They were adulterers or fornicators, and they're teaching their daughters. They're allowing their daughters. They're aiding uh, and abetting their sons and daughters in doing the same thing. Their children live that same promiscuous promiscuous life. Mm, They may be uh, whatever whatever the vice is. It doesn't just have to be sexual, but here he addresses it as sexual. So if your parents are spiritually like this, will your children see what type of religious life you're living in your home? And if you are a religious hypocrite with God, there will be much more a religious hypocrite. As you know, the Bible says he did evil as his father did. Uh, But you have some that says that he walked not in the evil or he walked not in the good that his father did because each person can depart from that that was the person that before them. So what we're talking about, though, is the seed of the children of the devil or the children of wickedness, those children of adulterers. And in that, Matthew 13 and 38, it says, the field is the world. The good seed are the children of the kingdom. But the tares are the children of the wicked one. Well, God sowed good seed in his field, which is in the world. He put forth good people in the world. But Satan came along and sowed his seed, wicked seed. There are wicked seed in the world. And we have to face this, that they are not all sheep in the world. We're not all brethren in the sense that we all are children of God. They are children of the devil. Uh, the Amplified says, and the field is the world, and as for the good seed, these are the sons of the kingdom, and the weeds are the sons of the evil one. So they're thorns and thistles that grow up. That's the seed that was sown on the soil. Uh, the parable of the soil talks about the soil, the condition of the soil. All of this seed was the individuals, but the soil varies. Some fell on good soil, some fell on thorny soil, some fell by the wayside, some fell on rocky soil. But we have to see that we are all in the world, but we need God's grace to keep us in the world. And are we seeking God? 
whatever area you're falling short in, that's what you have to pray to God for. If you have to pray to God to keep me from the spirit of slumber, if you pray to God to keep me from that spirit of adultery or gambling or from the vice of temptation or being tempted or whatever, you may have to do like Joseph. Joseph fled and ran away from Potiphar's wife because he didn't want to get caught in that position. But a lot of people would remain around that temptation, saying they're going to be strong in the Lord and overcome by that temptation. And we see in the Bible consistent where it says flee useful us. Sexual temptations is a little bit different from the rest of the temptations that we do. The propensity for it, as I was telling you about Solomon and David, we see where God even warned Solomon in a dream that his wives or the women was going to draw his heart away from God. So we are being warned. There are flagrant warnings. There are fragrant advice out there. But we have to heed that warning. But the problem is within hearing. A lot of us hear the word. A lot of us hear. But we're not able to put that in action. We're not being energized by the world. I mean by the word. That's because we have too much of the world in us and we're holding on to the word. Now, how many different things I've preached on in the last two or three months that you may see inklings of that in your life? And the thing about it, we don't look at our lives. We look at other people's lives and criticize other people's lives. But we have to start looking inward and see, is this me he's talking about? I never preach and hit anybody. And if it's never hitting you, you'll never get into the kingdom of God because that's what preaching and teaching supposedly does. It brings you without a spot of blemish. The spirit should convict you. But all of us are justified in our sin. So we leave out doing the same thing that we were doing before we come in. So the mirror of God's word is not working in our lives. And the part about it, if we sit under and hear it and listen at it, we're even accounted for worse because now you accounted for that that you've heard. John 8, chapter 44th verse, where Jesus is in dispute with him, and he says, Ye are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaking of it of his own for he's a liar and the father of it. So we see here where he was telling the Pharisees that they were of their father, the devil, that they have these devilish characteristics. So that put them on one side and him on the other side. Uh, the Amplified uses that word characteristics. The Amplified says you of your father, the devil, and it is your will to practice the desires, that lust of the devil, that thing that's within you, that humanistic portion. That's why I said we have to get rid of that humanistic part that it has to die. That's what we have to mortify. That's what it says. Die to self. We have to mortify that so that we wouldn't yield our members to these things. It says, which are characteristics of your father. You can't have those characteristics. Some people are natural born liars. Remember a guy on murder, she wrote that he was passing the lie to take the test. And the guy says, well, 
quite naturally passed the lie detector test because he's a natural born liar. His heart wouldn't measure any erratical changes or whatever because that's part of his nature. He's like his father, the devil. He can lie to it, not even affect his conscience or whatever. That's having the conscience seared. There are people that are murderers and killers and everything. <clears throat> Secretary Blinken had went over and were talking with the Israeli people yesterday and asked Netanyahu and the Biden administration and a lot of the other Arab countries are asking Netanyahu to draw back for religious reasons, I mean for humanitarian reasons, to, 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 to have a temporary ceasefire or whatever. But sometimes those people that say that they are people of God, they're immeasurably more wicked or more impassioned about what they're doing than people of the world. They're less humanitarian. Netanyahu, this is an evil and a vindictive thing he's doing to try to root out, root out Hamas here. Now, Hamas is wrong. Hamas is a terrorist organization, and terrorism and that evil God does root it out, even though he's using a crooked stick, a wicked instrument to bring this about. Be not it told, and that's the reason I speak out here is that I have no part of that. My tax dollars are what we look at. We shouldn't have any part. I'm with the MAGA Americans, that movement part portion of Trump that says we have no involvement in that. And we should, he shouldn't be doing these things. He's trying to save face and do something here. This is not going in well. This is not going to bode well. It's like sometimes you tell your children or friend or people, say, this is not going to turn out right. You shouldn't be doing these things. Those, that's a dog that a bark or a warning. And that's how God came to the Jewish nation. And that's what Isaiah is doing here. That's the reason the king, they sawed Isaiah in half. You remember he was sawing in half doing his prophecy, doing his prophetic ministry. Yes. You remember Jeremiah, they throwed him in the sister because People don't want to hear you telling them things that their flesh love, that they they love evil. They love the wages of wickedness and of sin. Balaam didn't want to hear, don't go curse the children of Israel, because it was monetarily profitable for him. It's in his nature. He abides these characteristics. He's a child of that. That's why it says that. They were murderers because they of their father, the devil. They were plotting to kill Jesus. She said, you go about to kill me. He says, if Abraham was your father, you wouldn't be attempting to do this. But why do you do it? Because you of your father, the devil. That's of your nature. Plotting in wickedness. The cynical ways that we have as a nation. Some of that's because when he speaks to the nation, he's not speaking to every individual in the nation. But as a whole, this is the way the Israelite people had went during that time. Yes. This is the way the world has went this time. That's why when it says in Revelation that Satan deceived the whole world, because he's talking about a world that Satan is the god of this world. In other words, the people that he has jurisdiction over, the people where he ruled and reigned, but we are not of the world. We're just ambassadors. We're pilgrims and sojourners here in this world. We're in the world, but we're not of the world, and we don't have a love of the world. Mm -hmm. 
not the things of the world. If we had that, we wouldn't be children of God. He says you can't love the world and the things of the world. To do that, you're an enemy of God. In the book of Acts, the 13th chapter, the 10th verse, when Paul was talking to Sergelius at on the, this island where he went to and the chief deputy approached him, he said to him, he says, and said, O full of all subtlety and all mischief, thou child of the devil, thou enemy of all righteousness, wilt thou not cease to pervert the right ways of the Lord? Now, this is what Paul is talking to an individual about. He calls him a child of the devil. Who was the most subtle of all creatures? It was Satan. The Amplified says, and he said, you Elamus, Elamus was the deputy that was going against Paul because he seen the, the governor was listening at Paul. But he says, who are full of every kind of deceit and every kind of fraud, you son of the devil, enemy of everything that is right and good, will you never stop perverting the straight paths of the Lord? And it makes me think about one of the political leaders that were president at one time. This is what the living says. He says, you son of the devil, full of every sort of trickery and villainy, enemy of all that is good, will you never end your opposition to the Lord? In other words, when these people use cunning devices and all types of trickery and craft, in other words, sorcery, in other words, illusion and appearances is fraud. And they're of that great counterfeiter himself, Satan. Satan is the greatest counterfeiter. That's what the Antichrist is doing. He's counterfeiting religion. He's counterfeiting the preaching and teaching of God. And his ministers are transforming the angels of light. They have this illusion that they're leading you right. But throughout the Old and New Testament, it shows that it's a great deception. And it's given to those that are weak, those that are not strong in the Lord, and those that are of the devil. That's why Paul says they lead astray late women creeping the houses of silly women laden with sin with itching ears, wanting to hear that which pleases them. No one really wants to hear the word of God that loves the creature comforts of this world, that says you will have to sacrifice, that you can't do this, that you will have to deny yourself, that you will have to humble yourself. No, because it's all built around self and covetousness. And we know covetousness is idolatry. And we're a very covetous nation. We're very covetous people. First John 3 and 10 says, And this the children of God are manifest, and the children of the devil. Whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God, neither he that loveth not his brother. And you remember Cain was of that wicked one who rose up and killed his brother. Yes. So those that kill their brethren, mm. or do you want to know who's your brother? Those that do the will of God. So if you don't love your enemies, because that's one of the reasons Jesus said love your enemies, because you don't actually know whether your enemy is saved or not, or whether your enemy is actually a person that God's using, and you see them as an enemy. 
So that's why we give the gospel evangelized to everybody because we don't know who's saved and who are not saved. That's why we have to love our brother. If you hate your brother, and I was telling you about the two guys the other day that was talking about the my mechanic that who had died or whatever. Well, if you feel and you talk about him this way, why should I form a close association with you or friendship with you? And this person you knew longer than I did, you, you'd be around him much more. If you hated him that much, think of how much you would hate me. I'll say the same thing about me. Yes. The Amplified says, by this, the children of God and the children of the devil are clearly identified. Anyone who does not practice righteousness, that is, who does not seek God's will in thought, action, and purpose. Notice the three categories. Action, in other words, both to will and to do. Faith has action. Faith has works. But he says also in thought. Because your thoughts cannot be evil or wicked. That's why he destroyed the old world, because their thoughts were continually evil. But he also says purposes. We should work for the purposes of God, and God had created us for good works. Our purpose should bring light to the kingdom of God and to glorify God. He says, "Who, who does not does that is not of God. Nor is the one who does not unselfishly love his believing brother or his brother. Because they institute in italics their believing brother. But I would insert there when he says brother, that would mean all men because Christ came along and says, love your enemies. Yes. So that's your brother. And your, but, but there's a different distinction further in. But we're talking about seeing the forest here. The forest is loving all men, and just like he asked the Samaritan, told of the parable about the Samaritan, the good Samaritan, the Levite left him up on this side, and the priest was on this side, but the Samaritan saved the man and put him in the city. Now, who was a neighbor unto him? So anyone could be our neighbor. So we have to see the forest. The big picture is that all men would be our brethren. God makes have to make the determination who's saved or who's not. But then the trees here, uh, when we focus in on the trees here, the detail is there's a different way that Scripture says that we have to carry out this illustration, carry out the love in this life. Because even in the book of Corinthians, Paul says, if a brother be a fornicator or adulterer, or one of these know not to associate with him, have no doing dealings with this person, even though he's in the church or whatever. And that's the problem with us. A lot of us in church of Christianity don't flag the other ones that's in there and hold their feet to the fire. Yes. They're some of the worst fornicators, and that's what a lot of people are looking at the Catholic Church, that they covered up the sexual abuse. They covered up the molesting of the, the altar boys and all of the clergy scandals and things, that it was covered up. And what religion should do, they should uncover, they should occult. In other words, uncover, yep. whereas a cult covers up. Yep. Cult, they're cult, they covers up, but an occult uncovers. Mm. So we have to uncover these things. We have to bring it in the opening, set it in the light, because what's done in the darkness is going to come to the light anyhow. And the Word bringeth light. God's Word bringeth light. 
Now here he calls the seed of adulterer, the seed of the whore, the seed of the evildoers or whatever. That word seed is used as a metaphor. We can say it's used as a metaphor. Genesis 3.15 says, I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise that head and thou shalt bruise his heel. Amplified says virtually the same thing. It says, I will put enmity, that is, open hostility between you and the woman and between you, your seed, that is, your offspring and her offspring, her seed. He shall fatally bruise, you shall fatally bruise his head and he shall only bruise your heel. As the previous verse, the figurative sense overshadows the literal sense of this. Women and snakes are bitter enemies, but the real hostilities are spiritual. That's what I say. We see a figurative, but we see a literal meaning. Mm -hmm. So we know most women are afraid of snakes and the hostility there between reptiles Mm -hmm. and the physical animosity there. And with a lot of men, because all snakes... Put the heart to all snakes too, if I. <laughs> but he said, but the real hostilities between Satan and the woman, a symbol of the church and the world. Yeah. You see, that's what we look at in Revelation when he's talking about the woman or whatever. We're talking about a church because sometimes when he says the woman, he could be talking about a city or whatever. So metaphorically, here the seed is the offspring. The offspring of the, and that's why I say if you're in the church, just because others are in the church or they say they worship God or they love Jesus and all of these things, mm-hmm. doesn't mean that the enmity is not there because they may be only professing Christians. Mm-hmm. I was asking someone today, uh, how much of the Bible do you know or whatever? Because you put yourself in a very precarious position just because a person say that they are Christian, that you totally trust them and not aware of what's going on. You have to see the signs around their lives of their living. Some ask, if this is so, how can Satan, who cannot reproduce, have seed? And that's why I say we're talking metaphorically here. In other words, the characteristics of those things. The answer lies in a spiritual realm here. We're talking those people, when he says to your father, the devil, or whatever, we're talking in a spiritual sense, those that have the characteristics of those. Uh, Paul says in the book of Galatians, the third chapter of Galatians 26 to 27, for you are sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So by faith, we're looking at being the seed of Abraham because he's the what? The father of faith. Whereas if you are prideful and high minded, we know that Satan is the father of pride. And we know in the book of John, as I was telling you yesterday, First John says, all that's in the world is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. So if you are proud, a high-minded individual, a haughty, 
you could look that you have those are some of the follicles that Satan reaches out and possesses you in. You understand what I'm saying? Those are the tentacles of Satan there. No matter what their racial makeup, members of God's church becomes Abraham's spiritual descendants because, as Jesus says, Abraham's children do the works of Abraham. And that's what he told us. If you were Abraham's children, because you were Abraham, if Abraham was your father, John 8, 39, you would do the works of Abraham. You remember I said, faith has works, and we have to have an action, and that work is loving your brother, loving others. But they were going about to kill it, kill Jesus. Yeah. And we know one of the commandments says, thou shalt not kill. Amen. Thou shalt not mass murder. Mm-hmm. And that's not turning the other cheek is to kill all of the people, wouldn't Abraham be in the position of those that are pleading? Well, look, let's just have a, a cease pe- or, or ceasefire right now and let some of these people withdraw. Let some of these people get out of the way. Do, don't kill all of them. Wasn't that what Abraham don't, was doing when God was going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah? Not that the, some, uh, some Sodomites and that Sodom and Gomorrah wasn't worthy to be destroyed. He was going to destroy it, and that was the judgment of God upon it. But what was Abraham says? Far be it from you to destroy the righteous with the wicked. So that's what we have to do. Are you pleading for your brethren in prayer? See, we're so desensitized. How many of us are praying for the different people that are at war? How many of us are praying for the different things in society? If we don't pray for society at large, I might want to question, how often are you praying for your family, those in your community? What are your effectual prayers? I'm not just saying a passing, it passes your mind, but I'm saying effectually, because you remember I said, those, there are those in the church that should be laboring in prayer, should be laboring in prayer, cease not to pray. Jesus goes on to explain that Satan has a spiritual offspring also. He says, but now you, those in Jesus' audience, he says, you seek to kill me. You do the deeds of your father. You of your father, the devil, and the desires of your father, you will do. So Satan's seeds are those who do Satan's will in rebellion against God. And that's why he told, Samuel told Saul that rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. You remember? He says, to obey is better than sacrifice. Yes. So Saul called himself offering up a sacrifice to appease God, but he was rebelling against the word of God. And he says, rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Why when your children rebel against your authority, rebel against you, or we rebel against authority, we are out from under the cover of God because he says what? Honor your parents that your days belong. In Ephesians 6, 10 through 12, Paul writes of this enmity between the two seeds. You remember I tell you, we're at war and that's, you can't reconcile your enemy unto us. What Jesus did and God gave Jesus was a ministry of reconciliation. So only through the means of God's preaching and teaching 
Only through the Spirit are we reconciled unto God. And I'll go over it just a minute of what Jesus Christ did. And he reconciled us unto God and gave us a ministry of reconciliation. That is, bringing things back in right standing with God. But there's a protocol. In other words, there's a way. We have to come the way, he says, the way. And the way is the preaching of the gospel. Amen. He says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole arm of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of, of wickedness in heavenly places. So as this prophesies, prophecy goes forth from Genesis 3.15 about putting that enmity between Satan's seed and the woman's seed, we see it manifest in the physical, but it's actually a spiritual war going on. It's spiritual warfare. Seed in verse 15 here is a collective term like team of family. When it says the seed of Abraham or the seed of the serpent, that means just like the church is a corporate body, even though there's different intimate entities within that body, but each stand alone. That's why it says some of the righteous will fall, some of them will rest. In other words, even though some parts of us may die, we shall not all die. We shall not all sleep. But we are all of that one unit. But the following, when he says, he shall bruise your heel, he was talking specifically that Jesus would win this victory and Satan would lose it. But the camaraderie of the ballers will be between their spirit, their their people. In other words, yeah. it's not seeds of seeds, it's seed. Mm -hmm. That word seed is plural in that sense. As Christ's body is in the book of Romans 12 and 5, 1 Corinthians 12, 27, Ephesians 1, 25 through 22 23, we are included as participants in that enmity. Enmity. So don't think that you could bring yourself, make friends of these people. And that's why I said, well, those people that were saying that about him, I don't try to bring them in my realm of friendship. Why would I want friends like that? As the old saying goes, with friends like that, who needs enemies? Yes. However, the subject, uh, Paul also uses seed in a singular sense when writing of Abraham's seed. As in Galatians 3.16, it says, Now to Abraham and his seed were made, were the promises made. So he's not saying plural like some people say Islam and all of this. We're brethren or Joseph Smith. No, it's no brethren. It says seed singular in Abraham. And that seed is Jesus Christ. It's only Jesus Christ, not Muhammad, not Buddha, not anyone else. Seed was talking about Jesus Christ. He's the only one. He's the way and he's the truth in his life. That's the singularity of that. That's not plural. Um uh, Revelation 12 and 5 illustrates the connection between the woman and the seed. And it says the seed of the woman that was promised in Genesis. It says, and she, that is the woman, bore a male child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. And a child was caught up to God and his throne. That was Jesus Christ. 
He's the only one that ascended down, but she gave birth to him. That which was born of the woman was of the Holy Spirit. But he was the only one that ascended up. He sat on the throne and he, as the high priest, sat down at the right hand of God. And it's God that's working in the earth to bring down all powers and principalities. Okay. Characteristics of the offspring. Amos 4 and 2. And we're going to try to round this up here and start back Wednesday. Amos 4 and 2 says, The Lord God has sworn by his holiness that the day shall come upon you that he will take away with hooks you and your posterity with fish hooks. In other words, he's going to remove your daddy and your mama and you. He's going to remove everything connected to you because he's going to purge the earth. He's going to remove all evildoers. So this sifting, this sifting comes about at God's word, and we take God at his word that he's doing that. But we have to get some clarity and understanding that as he's doing that, Mm -hmm. it has to be some removal of the righteous at that time or whatever. You can't figure God out and say, well, only the wicked is dying. No, some of the righteous dying also. And that's why he says you need to get an understanding of but we need to keep praying and asking God why. God loves to answer, and that's what he gave us prayer for, that he answers our prayer and request as it were per- pertains unto us knowing his will and how to do this will to carry out or what he's doing in our life. That says that's what wisdom is, and that's why it says those of us that lack wisdom pray to him and he'll give us understanding. Because knowledge is here, but the understanding of it. That's why it says the zeal, the Jews have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. He says his people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge. See, along with knowledge, you have to get wisdom and understanding to make application of that. It says the Lord God has sworn by his holiness. Although not in the habit of swaying oath, his word is sufficient. But sometimes God focuses on the seriousness of his pronouncement. So that's why he said, swore in Amos about that, just like in the book of Hebrews. He says, for when God made a promise to Abraham because he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself. In other words, this is going to happen. This is my word. I don't have to swear or whatever. But when I say this is going to come to pass, it must surely come to pass. And the bond of that is that I swear. But we shouldn't swear. He says we shouldn't swear. Swear, swear not. But God shows the sufficiency of the completion of his promises. Uh, what God does, what does God see in Israel that so affronts him that he had to swear by his holiness that he was going to take them and their posterity away? You remember, after scattering Israel, he came in with Judah and Babylon cleansed out of Judah out. He carried them out and a lot of them didn't return or whatever, but he saw what was going on in the land that they had turned away from him. He saw the promiscuity of the priests, of the people, and everyone else. Israel had every opportunity that the Gentiles did not have, 
just like those of us in the church today that God cleansed the temple. Jesus cleansed the temples of the money changers because we had a, his calling. He had called his promises, his word and his law. So if you have all of that and you taking light of that or trampling it underfoot, you have no other sacrifice. You don't fear God. You don't reverence God. And that's what happens with the false prophets and the false teachers and the people that know of God. Mm-hmm. They will be held to a higher standard because to whom much is given, much shall be required. Yes. He gave the Israelites gifts to help them develop into his sons and daughters. But God sees them as diametrically opposed to him, rejecting in his word, seeking out to establish their own righteousness and remaining ignorant. In other words, I'm telling you this is the way to walk in, but you say, no, you could do it that way or whatever. How many times did you have a grandchild or whatever, and you're trying to tell them the right way? They, hey, no, no, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it this way. You know it is going to end bad or whatever because you don't clearly understand that or whatever. Sometimes you have to let them fall flat or whatever to show that your will has to be broken. Our will has to be broken to where we would humble ourselves and pray and take up our cross and follow after God. Take heed to his word and stop Dipping in this religion, that religion, listening at this person and that person. Sometimes we listen and follow ourselves or whatever. Yes. We hadn't been broken. We hadn't followed co- completely God. And that's why God hears the broken and those that broken in a contrite spirit. If you have that broken and contrite spirit, then you can learn of God. You can walk in his way. He says, uh, I have nourished and brought up children, and they have rebelled against me. That I, The ox knows its owner, and the donkey its master's crib. But Israel does not know. My people do not consider. Alas, a sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, a brood of evildoers, yeah. children who are corruptors, they have forsaken the Lord. They have provoked to anger the Holy One of Israel, they have turned away backwards, as Isaiah 1, 2 through 4. So God had gave Israel many advantages that he didn't give other nations. He had gave them his law to live by. They were supposed to be example and a light to the nations around them. And he had cleared the way for them. He did signs, wonders, and miracles. He had done all for them. And a parent normally does all for a child. And that child ends up rejecting him and goes to some other parent, goes to some other people. And how would that parent feel that have given all and did all and invested all of this in the child, but the child rebels and slaps the hand that feeds it? That's what we've done to God. That's what we're not doing. We're not fully compliant saying, I know as my parent, as my God, you love me with, and I should love you with all of my heart and all of my soul, and I should willfully listen at you because... In everything, you have my best interest at heart. Mm-hmm. Now, we might not clearly understand that or see that, but that's where faith comes in. We trust God and we have faith that he will do according to see. I can't give you an illustration with a human thing, but that's where we have in humanity is that your parents would even die for you. How many children don't realize that a mother would dive in front of a car to save that child's life? 
How many of them know I and I know my mother did it many a time. She's gone without eating. She ate the backbone and the legs and the, the chicken feet or whatever of the pig part, the parts, the unmeated parts so that we would eat. Yeah. Your parents sacrificed clothing. They sacrificed a way of life for you. Well, that's the same thing with God. He gave us of his son. He allowed his son to be murdered. So he gave us of his son. What more could he do for us? And then we reject him and turn and serve other gods. Tell us of what punishment we would be deserving after that. So to allow his people to live in his way of life, but they turn their backs on him and follow the way of other gods. Uh, since we have complete dependence upon God for life as our designer, He's the life-giving sustainer. He has complete authority over how we should live. Yes. Shouldn't he? Shouldn't he have complete authority over how we should live? As he's doing all this, we have to live a way of holiness. Among the many pantheons of gods, there be gods many. But if God's telling you this is the way we walk therein, we should be led by the Spirit of God. This particular God chose them out. They were not a nation. He made them a nation and then he kept them. But now in the physical, we're not looking at the spiritual. And we're just saying, oh, that's the Israel God. we got to defend them at all cost. Mm -hmm. No, not if they're in rebellion. They don't believe in Jesus really now. So if these people just saying the church, and that's why the church in this nation is in the condition it is because Anybody come in this religion and, and, and evangelicals in this last year have moved so far away from those of us that study the word of God and has his spirit say, hey, this is not right. This is not the living God doing this. There's a many of pantheons of gods out there, and a lot of them are serving self. They're being deceived by Satan in the spirits of covetousness and prosperity. And believe me, they're going after the prosperity and the mega gospels and the mega preaching and self-centeredness and covetousness. And they did that to Jesus. And Jesus says, by your traditions, you have made void the commandments of God. Where he said, honor your parents. But now they are pressing the parents. They're cutting off the social programs, the entitlement programs that would keep their parents afloat. They're living in luxurious houses, driving better cars, living a life. But how are their parents, how are their relatives, how are people living? And they're looking down and says, it's your lack of faith the reason this is not happening. Mm-hmm. Not understanding and knowing God. It's not a lack of faith. God hadn't made it where everybody's supposed to be rich. And they say, if you're not rich, it's because you don't have faith. If you don't have this, it's because of these things. And the very ones of us who introduced God, they're calling us that we are ignorant. And now they're rebelling against the older people. In other words, Satan has crept in unawares. So from God's holiness flows his love. He has called his people to holiness. And it follows that a holy person must be different in the way that they that their God is different. In other words, we have to be just like the God we serve. He says, be holy because I am holy. But we're so far away from holiness 
That's the reason our parents put up these, this defense. It's like when my mother had told me that time, said, no, you don't pray to Jesus, you pray to God the Father. But I knew so much at that time or whatever. Oh, but I know that, see, that Jesus says, pray our Father. We've been adopted into his family. We pray our Father in Jesus' name. We pray to the Father in his name. He says, anything you ask the Father in my name, that he'll do. Amen. Heavenly Father, help us to.